soon around the place. Anyway, thank you all for coming this morning. Uh, this morning, we just got to flick it over to two. Uh, the other way. We'll get there. So this morning, what I've done is I've got notes, which is the first time ever. Ha! I know. New season, new beginning. Hey. So what we've got is we've got notes. The only problem is that um, I can't carry everything at once. So I've given uh, Brett, given my notes to Brett or scriptures so he can read them out. So if you hear a strange voice coming across, Not it's God. the Lord's son. <laughs> it's the Lord's son, Bretsky. All right. Well, welcome. So this morning, I wanted to talk to us. You know, last week uh, when Pastor Cyrus was here, he talked about speak to your future. And I thought, hmm, that, that was an awesome uh, title, speak to your future. And while I was meditating, God said, back to the future. Why back to the future? Because actually, we're heading somewhere. And where we're heading is where God is already. So he's, he's looking back but we're looking forward. So as we look forward, God is looking back and God's saying, look back, back to the future. So I want to start us off with a simple scripture. Gretzky. Luke 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And that's where we're going to start. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Man, that's a good, that's a good starting why? Because it tells us that he was a busy man, lived a busy lifestyle. He was out ministering, loved the church, loved people, loved God. Had people asking him for everything, people pulling him left, right, and center. But it says Jesus often withdrew. Why did he withdraw? That was my first question. Why did Jesus first withdraw? Because if he's setting this example, then we should follow the example. So it says that he often withdrew and he went to pray. Do you know when, when life is busy and you look around and you're thinking, man, I've just got to get this job done. I've just got to get this job done. Oh, now that's over there. And these people have asked for this and I know I'm supposed to be here. After a while, no matter how good you are, you do start to drop the ball. Come on. And it doesn't matter whether you can be everything in front of people and you get home. And you drop the ball at home. You could have your house in order and do everything at home really well, but then you'll get out into the public arena and you'll drop the ball somewhere. Jesus, in his ministry, everyone wanted him. And because everyone wanted him, he often withdrew. Why did he withdraw? He withdrew because when he spent time with the Father... The father would always remind him of his purpose and his destiny and why he was here. You see, there's a lot of people around us that would tell us things. This is what you're good at. This is what you're here for. This is what I think you should do. Can you imagine that? I know that there's examples in the Bible of that where even his own disciples went up to him and said, Jesus, don't do that. Jesus, don't do this. People went up to him. said, nah, don't get involved in that. Get involved in this. But why was Jesus so focused? It was because every time the world got busy, he'd stop. He'd withdraw. 
and he would go to a place where only he could spend time with the Father. So that should be our first lesson for every single one of us. If we don't have a prayer life, that just means to say that we're too busy. And if we're too busy, then we're doing life hard. How do I know that? Because I've been there. I don't know whether you guys have been there. But I've been so busy that actually my prayers were in the car. People say, oh, is that a prayer? So, you know, I was talking with God. I was trying to tell him, oh, Lord, you know, I'm so busy. I just need help with this. Isn't that funny how you pray when you're busy? Oh, Lord, if you only give me help here, if you only give me help there. Oh, Lord, I need you to work this out. Oh, Lord, I need you to work that out. That there sounds like a child, and all parents and grandparents will know this. That sounds like a child that turns up on your doorstep and says, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And what's all of the parents' and grandparents' response? No. Why? Because you didn't even come to talk to me. You didn't come to say, I love you, give you a hug. Oh, there's the other ones too. And this is what we do to God as well. There's the other ones where we come and we say, oh, I love you so much, Lord. Oh, I just want to spend time with you. And then the question gets popped. And what's the question? I want something. So, you know, we do that naturally. But we also do it spiritually. And that's why Jesus gave us the first clue. Stop. Remove yourself. Once you've removed yourself, pray, talk. But why? Why should we do it? Because the one thing that Jesus always did when he went away was it was a time of alignment, refocusing, re-getting back into, okay, what's my purpose? Why am I here? That's right, the Father said I was here to do this. The Father said I was here to do that. If we can't figure that stuff out, then we'll end up in a life full of busyness. And even though we love him, we'll never achieve what he has for us. And you don't need to put your hands up, but how many people sitting here right now know that God has something for them? But you're at that point where you think, man, I know the Lord has something for me, but I'm just distracted. That's just for... Food for thought. The cool thing about it was every time Jesus went and spent time with the Father, he always returned in power. He never returned flat. He never returned measured. He never returned like, "Mm, I'm not too sure whether I want to carry on doing this stuff or not. When he spent time away, he went away. Why? Because he needed to refocus. He needed to remind himself, why am I here? That's right, Father, you said this of me. You said that I was going to go out there. You said that whatever I say and do, according to your will, it will happen. We lined people up here this morning. Why? Because two people believed that God was giving them a word for other people. And those people responded. And when they came up here and people prayed for them, That was back in Jesus' time. Jesus did the same thing. He sent his disciples out. And he said to them, you go out. You find them. You find the sick, the lame, the weary, the brokenhearted. You pray for them. And when you do that and they respond, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
and power will be released. So every time Jesus left, he always left and he always came back. That should be the second lesson. He always came back. You know, I know that there's times where we can go and we can, it may look like we're going to spend time with God, but then over time, we actually don't return. And if we do return, we return in body and not in spirit. Now, please hear me. I've walked this journey. I've walked this path. I'm not here to point anything out and try and condemn anyone. I'm here just to say, hey, look, God has a plan and a purpose for the whole of this region, for your lives, for my life. He's here because he wants to be here, and he's here to touch people, to heal them and to restore them. Part of that restoring is sometimes we just need to get a good slap and get told exactly what's up because you know, a lot of us, we can duck and dive. And you know, It reminds me of that, uh, was it the Aussie, the Aussie, uh, what's that fellow's name, the Aussie uh, coach? You know, how they, how they wouldn't say uh, All Blacks. And then right at the end, they go through this whole campaign never saying All Blacks and then they finally get caught out right at the end. So when they get caught out, they quickly shift it around to, oh, no, we were just playing the game. But actually, they were ducking and diving. And it wasn't until they got caught out that they suddenly come out. And that can be us. It isn't until we get found out or found wanting that suddenly everything is exposed. And what was really exposed in that? Just cheap shot games. And that's what's going to happen to us. We can all have be in that mode where we, oh, I'm just going out to pray with the Lord. Two years? Three years? Oh, man, that's a long wilderness for people to be in. So, you know, if you're going to go to pray, pray, but come back because Jesus came back. And when he came back, he came back in power. And when he came back, he was more passionate for the things of God than when he left. And if we leave and we come back and we're not as passionate as when we first went, there's an issue and there's a problem. And that problem is probably when we went out into the wilderness. You know, there's that story about the wilderness. Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. If we're not careful, we head out into the wilderness, we don't come back. Why? Because something catches our attention while we're out there. And we end up staying there. And then we turn up in body and not in spirit. So, if we don't set aside time, over time, we become lukewarm. And these are just the facts. We all know them. If you don't set aside time, over time, we become lukewarm. Now, I'm talking about our prayer lives. I'm talking about our word lives. I'm talking about reaching out to others. You know, who remembers when they first got born again? I remember when I first got born again. Woo, you could not stop me. I was like the black flash. Don't hide, Jade. But I was like the black flash, man. I was going everywhere. I was telling everyone. I was at Waikato University when I, when I got saved. My room went from being a big party room, central, where a lot of substances flowed out of, into the local community. Oh, yeah, lemonade and Coke and, hey, Coke, no. It all flowed out into the local community. There was times there where, uh, oh, we used to have a, uh, you know, the, the rooms were only really small. You could only fit a bed in and, and just a study desk. 
There'd be like a hundred people all jammed in. Music would be rocking. And I went from being that person to when I got saved at university, kicking everyone out, gave all of those substances away, blessed everyone that I could think of. And then I turned my house into a house of prayer and a house of worship. And so we went from that person to this radical change where suddenly I had other people sitting in my room and we'd have our guitars out and we'd just be jamming and we'd be singing, praise the Lord, and just every song that we could possibly sing. People would come back from the local uh, watering hole and I'd cruise up and where my room was, I was up on the top floor and I looked out over the court. And so everyone would roll on up at one, two o'clock in the morning and we'd have our window wide open. And we'd be singing and praising. And you know what? No one ever said anything. And do you know why they never said anything? No, we won't go there. Okay. Then they say no, no. Anyway. But what happened was when I was back there, I was so passionate. I didn't care who saw me. I didn't care what people thought of me. I knew what I was and I knew what Christ had done for me in that moment. We started off, uh, well, sorry, we didn't. There was a home group running in our campus, and there was um, six, six Christians, good old soldiers, remnant. They used to meet together, and they used to pray. And when I got saved again, uh, born again, I went there, and I went to their first meeting, and I said, oh, I'm saved. They were like, oh, my goodness, not you. How did you get saved? Because I oh, just, yeah, I was a bully back to those sort of people. So I went there. And I went in, and I started there. And I went in, and I, li- and I went to their first meeting. And they were all like, yeah, to be honest, it was quite dry. And I thought, man, God is exciting, because that's what I felt. I felt God was an exciting God. I went to their meeting, and they all sat around, six of them. They didn't even have a Bible. And they ate food. And they just said, oh, let's pray for the campus. And so they all stood up and started praying, oh, thank you, Lord. Please save someone. I was like, save someone. I'm standing there thinking, man, God has touched my life. I'm on fire. I just want to be around people who, are, who love God. So here I am. I go for, so after that meeting, I go back and I start evangelizing a lot of my friends. I start telling them. So I'm turning up to parties and I'm talking to them about Jesus. They weren't going to say anything because they were my mates. So they were just like, oh, okay, we've got to accept them. What's and all. But I was going there. I was talking to them about Jesus, telling them everything about Jesus. And then I started having little parties in my room. And so then my mates started coming. And then what we did was we went and we infiltrated this group of six. And so then we went down to them and we took our guitars in. Oh, I tell you what, man, did they come alive? They thought, whoa, the Lord is moving. We're thinking, man, we've got to do something with this lot. <laughs> hey, dry as. You know, no wonder no one wants to come to them. So we'd go down there and we'd think, and you know, in a short time, just with that passion and that fire where I didn't care. I spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time in the Word. I was even doing silly stuff like I read the Bible and it said, oh, that Jesus went and he spent time in the wilderness and he didn't eat. No idea what that meant, just knew, don't eat. So I didn't eat. So while everyone's raiding the fridges at uh, where we stayed and taking everyone else's food, I'm in the room hiding out, and all I got is my Bible. And I'm reading my Bible, and I'm praying, and I'm reading, and I'm praying, and I'm reading, and I'm praying. 
And then every morning I'd come out. Man, you should have seen when I came out. Yeah, you're almost ready to walk on water. <laughs> yeah, when I came out, I was blooming skinny, starving. I was looking at every person thinking, oh, look at what they're going to eat. <laughs> but I tell you what, what I didn't realize was God was working in my heart. Because in those times in that room, I was starting to see things. And what I was seeing was I was seeing a purpose. I was seeing a plan. I was seeing what God was showing me about the world, about himself, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about me, and how it all tied in. And so while everyone was out there eating their lovely food, I was in there, and the Lord was showing me and showing me and showing me. So if that's the, if that's the example... Did Christ ever talk about an example that we should have? But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Well, there you go. So Jesus went and did it. And then Jesus turns around and says, actually, it's a good idea that we do it. What are we supposed to do? It says when, not if, not maybe, not sometimes, but it says, when you pray. I think that sounds like a bit of a commandment or an order. It doesn't sound like a suggestion. And I know, you know, we all laugh about, oh, here are my ten suggestions instead of ten commandments. But this one here says, when you pray, you. Does that onus go on anyone else? Is there any other person that that points to, to say, actually... When Horawai tells Lindley to go and pray. No, it doesn't. When Britsky turns around and says, Joel, you go and pray. It doesn't say that. It says when you decide. It's your choice. And what does it say? But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door. Jesus often went into the wilderness. What was he doing? He was shutting the world out. Why? Because the world, and here's the thing about the world. The world is a beautiful place, offers a lot of stuff for us. But the world is like an ocean full of hooks. And those hooks are baited. And it's baited with, well, for all of us young people, social media. It's baited with sports. <laughs> it's baited with fashion. It's baited with all of this beautiful stuff to make people look beautiful. That's the bait on the hooks, and it's everywhere. And what we have to be careful of is if we don't start to shut our door, and get into prayer, we will get hooked. And it doesn't matter what you get hooked on, you will get hooked. And when you get hooked, because guess what? We're the fish. And so any fisherman, even myself who goes down to the seafood, uh, Hawke's Bay Seafood, and gets his fish, see, I don't need to fish to know what fishing is like. Because you know why? When I go down to Hawke's Bay Seafood, Seafood, and I walk past those fish, I'm looking, yeah, ugly. 
Yeah, it's getting it. And I look at that, ooh, that's one. And then I look at the price, oh, move on. <laughs> and now I finally find the fish, yep, that's me. See, even I'm fishing. And it doesn't matter that I didn't go out, put a bit of bait on, a hook, throw the line into the sea. What matters is that something's caught my eye. And this can be all of us. If you don't spend time with God, you will be hooked. And as I said, over time, that hook that has you or that bait and you've taken it, over time it will make you lukewarm. And when you become lukewarm, your prayer life suffers. When your prayer life suffers, your word life suffers. When your word life suffers, your relationship, not only with God, but also with each other and people who don't think like you, look like you, talk like you, the whole lot suffers. So if that's the case, we need to look at back to the future. So when you go in to pray, why do you go in to pray? Because God wants to show you something. So let's lift our eyes back up. Let's not look at those, all those baits and those hooks and everything that's luring us. Let's look at what God has said. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be there with them. He will wipe away every tear from the eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or pain or crying. All these things are gone forever. Did you hear that? Carry on. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Isn't that awesome? When was the last time you heard that? Now, this isn't about trying to get down on anyone. I'm just saying, when was the last time you heard that? What a great future we have. We've already won. We don't need to wait around and go through a whole tournament and round robins and wait and think, oh, please don't let the All Blacks lose. When you spend time with God, God starts to show you something, something that we should be focused on. There's a new heaven, a new earth. We are being made new. He's going to come one day and dwell amongst us. Man, that should be a shouting moment right there. Why? Because we don't have to live in the lifestyle that we're living in right now. We don't have to be caught out by everything and all the problems that are going on and people we don't like and oh, I've got no money and oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, oh, 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 gee, I'm struggling to get up this morning. You know, if there's any Australians here, this is not a pun, but I'm just saying that God says that one day he'll wipe away every tear from your eyes. Don't worry, if this was the All Blacks and they lost, I'd be giving it hard too. But, you know, when was the last time we looked at that stuff, honestly, and we thought, man, what a future we have before us. 
Because when I read that, and I haven't read that since, oh, it might be about five or six years ago. And then suddenly I started to look at it and I thought, wow, this is why I need to spend time with the Lord. Because he wants to keep reminding me and telling me the future that is set before us. Don't worry about the little things. And here's the thing about the little things. Sometimes to make the best decision, you have to step back. Step back, look at the big picture. And as you look at the big picture, the decisions become a lot easier for the things that are in front of you. And this is the whole thing about that whole ocean with the hooks and the bait in it. If you're not stepping back on a regular basis and looking, you will get hooked. Because a lot of times when we step back and we look at stuff, we think, actually, that's not really important. Now, how many, how many dis- disagreements take place in households all across New Zealand? <laughs> I won't say here. But all across New Zealand. And you know what? When everything settles and people step back and they look, they think, actually, that was pretty pointless. You know, I should have pulled out right here. I should have stopped here. I knew this was coming. I knew I could have done something different. But what happened? Because we haven't practiced this going into our prayer closet, this separating ourselves unto God so he can keep telling us our future and who we are and what we're supposed to be, we take the bait. And you know what that bait is? Pride. I'm going to stand here and argue my point for the sake of arguing it. And who's ever been in those arguments where you get to the point and you know you're wrong, but you carry on? I haven't yet. What do you mean? Oh, oh, you're not supposed to say that in front of everyone. You're supposed to say, hey, men. <laughs> but yes, you know, you get to that point, you know you're crossing the line, and by the time you get to that line, you think, you know what, that line don't even exist. Amen. Why? If we practice spending time with the Lord... When we start to get close, we will know when to pull out. Right now, many of us are hooked in different things. And I believe the word of God for us this morning is to pull out. Pull out. You may say, well, I'm, I'm entangled. I can't get away from this hook. God knows how to get you untangled. But in order for you to get untangled, separate yourself. Get back into prayer. Get back into your closet. Get back into the word. Answers will be there. Your future looks bright. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear that. Can you read that again? I was thinking about lunch. <laughs> oh, no, I was just giving examples. You know, some of us could be sitting in here and then, what is for lunch? No. Sorry, Brett. Can you read it again? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Why? Because if you seek first the kingdom of God above all else, it says he will give you everything you need. See what that you know, when I talked about that fish and getting caught in the hooks, God says he'll give you everything you need. If that's the case, it takes all of those hooks out of the picture. 
and it puts you into a place where you're now free. But if you're not seeking first the kingdom, then all those hooks are still in play. And the sad news about that is you may think you're not going to bite, but I can tell you right now, you will bite. You may not bite the same one as someone else, but you will bite one. And that thing will hook you. And once it's hooked you, hello lukewarmness. Hello turning up to church just in body but not in spirit. Hello passion. Oh, no, it's not even passion anymore. That's right, because I used to be up the front, and I used to be, I used to be clapping, I used to be singing, I used to be saying, yes, 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 and now I sit, and I stand, and I sing. You know, when we go, when we transform, and we're all transformers in some shape or form, we transform into that which has hooked us. If Christ has hooked someone, and here's the thing, man, when Christ hooks someone, and they turn up to church, all of those people who used to be like that get upset. And then they start saying, oh, who's that person? Watch out for that person. We don't know them. What happened? What happened was someone got hooked for Christ while everyone else was taking bait of the world. And then when they came in and they were fired up and passionate, everyone wants to cut them down. You know, that's lukewarmness. Because, you know, you're either hot, and if you're hot, you look at that person and you say, Woo! Someone like me. If you're cold, you're not even in this place. What happens when you're lukewarm? You turn up. You spectate. You don't participate. Now, remember, I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm just here to say, God has a plan for us. He has a plan. He called each and every one of us. Each and every one of us at the right time, regardless of what year it was, he called us. And there's some sitting amongst us today that he's calling you. But he wants to shift us from wherever we are into hot, burning. Why? Because there's a future that he wants us to have and to inherit. But he doesn't just want it for us. He wants it for everyone. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Look at that. See, this is Christ. He's now starting to shift. He's trying to shift our mentality and our thinking. What was his mission when he first came to earth? His mission when he first came to the earth was, yes, we say, oh, he came so that he could um, carry the sin of the world and die. Actually, when he came to the earth, what he came and his mission was, was to get us off thinking about earthly stuff and get us back to thinking of the things of heaven. Lift up your eyes. Start to believe. See. You know, why did he do all the miracles? Have you ever asked that question? Why did Jesus do miracles? Because people needed to see something different. They needed to realize that where their thinking was and their mindset was down here. And then he started to lift it up. Man, he was, you know, that's why it talks in the Bible about a lot of religious people got upset. What does that mean? A lot of lukewarm people got upset. Because he came in and they didn't have to do anything. When he showed up, it suddenly showed how much they weren't doing. And even amongst us, why would Christ show up? And start to touch and heal people. Because he's trying to get not only those people, but the people who pray for them to lift their eyes up. 
How many of us have prayed for people recently? How many of us have prayed for people over the years and you can't even believe for their healing? And so you step out and you say, oh, thank you, Lord, just pray for their healing. And then the person comes back next week and says, wow, I got healed. And you think, wait, really? What that does is that lifts your eyes up and you think, fire up. The Lord is here. The Lord is in me. Hallelujah. And that's what happens. We lift our eyes up. So why does God want to do miracles? Why does he want to use us to touch people? Because he not only wants them to lift their eyes up, he wants us to lift our eyes up. Get ourselves out of lukewarmness. Get ourselves back hot, burning for Christ. That's what he wants. Listen to this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which bind us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Always be thankful. See, if you notice that when we actually start to get right into the Word, as we get into the Word, the picture that is painted is totally different to the picture that we live day to day. Why should I be kind? They weren't kind to me. <laughs> nah. Nah, seriously, why should I be kind to that person? They've never been kind to me. And yet you get in the Word and He's telling us, lift, lift up. Lift up to where we belong. Stop living. You know, there's that story in the Bible about the old um, prodigal son. Shoots off, spends all of his riches, does everything like that. Ends up in a pen of swines or pigs. And one day he suddenly realizes where, I, where he was. The problem with lukewarmness is most of us don't even know we're in that pig pen. Oh, let's move on. <laughs> oh, but seriously, we don't even know that we're in a pig pen. Why? That isn't the sign of a pig pen. The scriptures that we're reading this morning, the word that's coming out from the word of God, that's not a pig pen. That's kingdom. You're in a palace. You're seated in heavenly places. That's what this stuff is talking about. It's not talking about you wallowing in the mud trying to blink and get your own. It's talking about that there's this place that Christ has for you, and only you can get there. The person sitting next to you can't get you there. Your spouse can't get you there. Your parents can't get you there, young people. None of your leaders can get you there. No grandparents. Only you can get yourself there. Why do you think we got given the Holy Spirit? So he can guide us and lead us into that place and into that decision. And if we can't get there, then the problem lies on us. It doesn't lie on anyone else. You know, I think one of the saddest things, and, and this has been me over time, so don't hear, don't get it wrong. I used to think about uh, pastors and I used to think, look at them. They should get me there. But actually it's not their job. Because all through this, they have a function, just like we all have a function. But everything we're reading this morning, the onus is back on us. 
wherever you sit in life is your choice. No one else's. And, you know, if you have to have people around you to prop you up and tell you, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. There is a serious issue here. Why is it a serious issue? Because when that person leaves your life, I can guarantee you're going to go down and you're going to look for someone else to prop you back up. But if Christ is the center of your life and you're in the word, you're taking yourself away, you're praying, you're asking the Father, man, show me, show me the plans you have not only for me and my life, but for my family, for my loved ones, for my community, for my church, whatever it may be, you'll come back and you'll realize, man, we can do this, we can take this place, because your thinking comes up. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he had planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Can you just chuck that one back up, please? Look at this. The Lord now chose... And I'm going to make it personal. The Lord now chose you and me. Why? Because of the harvest. The harvest is great. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. How can the workers be few? If there's a lot of us here. Now I put my, don't get me wrong, I put myself in this question too. I'm not saying it's you guys. I'm right in amongst us. And I read this scripture and I say the harvest is great. So is there a problem with the harvest? No. Is there a problem with the Lord wanting to reach them? No. So then what is the problem? And I look at this and I say, but the workers are few. Workers, workers. The workers are few. Oh, hang on, I'm a worker. Am I really working to my capacity? How many people go to a job and you think, man, I'm going to give it 100%? And then you turn up there and you think, oh, man, here we go again. It's a slog. And our good intentions in the car can drop straight down to 50%, which puts us into lukewarmness. Why? Because we're only fulfilling a role. We're not doing anything to add value. So up here, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Who's in charge? Not me. Not you. The Lord's in charge. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. This morning, the whole message was centered around. Lift up your eyes. Back to the future. Let's look at what's ahead of us. Let's see what God has for each and every one of us. Let's look at our destination and say, man, I can't wait till I get to that place. I'm heading that way. But until I get there, I'm going to make sure that a lot of people know and have a lot of them join and say, yeah, we're all heading this way too. That's why I love the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is all about Uh, exiting from one place to another. 
if we can't make that happen, then the harvest is still great, the workers are still few. This morning, my challenge to everyone here and to myself is I just want to take the next couple of minutes just for you, just for every single person here to close your eyes and ask the Lord. Lord, I know that the harvest is great and the workers are few. What can I do? What can I do? What do I need to let go of my life so that I can engage the harvest? So that I can help people lift their eyes up? So I can move from lukewarmness in my life into hotness and on fire for God, passionate. Partnership with the Holy Spirit. So right now, I just want you to close your eyes and ask that question. This is for you. And write it down. Thank you, Lord. Today I want to give the opportunity for any person who's sitting amongst us who this could be the start of your journey, the start of your journey with Christ. See, we tend to think that we're in charge of everything. But the Bible is very clear. That Holy Spirit draws each and every one of us to Christ. And this morning I want to get the opportunity that if there's anyone here and you feel that you've been getting drawn to Christ, I want to open it up and I want to pray for you. If this is your first time and you can feel the Lord calling you, I'd love to stand here and pray with you. Now, it can be a scary place, especially with a lot of people around. But at some point, we've all done this. We've all felt Christ pulling us. And the words that were spoken... It was like, it was like, oh, no, that's me. Oh, I want to go hard for the Lord. I know where I am now. I need to be somewhere different. If that's you today and you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, I want to open it up and give you the opportunity today. So if that's you, have the courage, have the boldness, have the passion to put your hand up and say, that is me. I want to go hard for God. I don't want to sit back anymore. 
I want the future that He has for me. If that's you, I want you to be courageous and bold and stick your hand up. It's just like me right now standing here. It's not easy getting up in front of people. But at some point, you have to make a decision to stand for Christ. So this morning, if that's you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Also, for all of those here who know that there was a time when they were passionate and this through the word today, Holy Spirit has revealed to you areas that you need to let go of so the fire can burn again. All of you today. I want to give you the opportunity to make a faith step. And that faith step is to stand up and to say, actually, yep, there's some things I need to let go of my life. And there's, in order to let go of something, Because when you want something, you have to let go of something else. This morning, will you be courageous enough to stand and come to the front so we can pray for you? If you want to embrace God and you want to move out of where you are right now into a future that God has for you, you have to let something go to get there. And I just believe right now that this morning, all across this auditorium, that the Holy Spirit was speaking and saying, you need to let go of this. You let go of this, the fire will return. And when the fire returns, your passion will return. And when the passion returns, you'll find yourself back up praying in the mornings and at night and praying for people. You'll find yourself in the Word. You'll find yourself, you'll find that the Word will come alive again. And you'll find that all those decisions that have been weighing you down will suddenly start to come off. And you start to say, actually, that's not important. I don't even know why I wasted years on that. So right now, this morning, I want to open it up to you. If you want prayer and you want to make a decision for Christ, come up. Come up and let us pray for you. Don't be scared. We're all only human beings. You should be more scared of where you may end up. that is a scary place and I'm just sensing right now that you know right now there are people amongst us you want to make that decision but you know we fight against a principality and a power and right now the pressure that you're feeling is not from God that pressure is from the devil and he's trying to keep you in that place And Holy Spirit is trying to drag you out of it. So we're just going to leave it open for a couple of more seconds. And then we're just going to pray for those who are up here. Amen. Amen. Oh,
Come on, church, let's stand and let's sing. Oh God. 